Everybody's always worried about uh, God doesn't care if you're rich or not. And I think that's bullshit. I think God wants a lot more good men to be rich and successful so that they can show the world what they need to show them. Shepherds of Men is a secular movement started by three men of faith. We wholeheartedly believe that when we get the men right, we get the world right. We believe this because we believe that men are created and called to be leaders, and we believe there is an alarming deficit of leadership in our world today. And although the three of us have come from drastically different backgrounds, our core principles have given us a unified voice that is needed now more than ever to pave the way for a fundamental change in our culture. We are quite literally calling men to something great. Welcome to the movement. What is up, world? This is Cam coming at you with the Movement Podcast. My brother from another mother, JP. What's up, guys? Man, that was that was super soft. That's a, that's the most quiet I've ever heard you say hello. I'm excited. I'm working on my my stoism. Oh, okay. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> hey, we're gonna jump right into it uh, this week because we are incredibly pumped. We've had some amazing guests on our show. We've been really blessed and fortunate to to have great connections with people that have come on here and. Um, you know, shared their stories and shared their thought process and principles and values. But I can't think of one that we're more excited about to this point. Um, and, and this is going to be a fresh conversation because we literally have talked for about 30 seconds before we started recording. Um, and uh, and so I'm excited about getting to know our guest, uh, Keaton, also known as the Muscle Hoskins. Uh, I'm excited to hear about how all that came about, too. But Keaton, thank you, brother, for being on the show on the Movement Podcast, man. We appreciate you big time. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. So we we don't know a ton about you other than what anybody can look up on Google, uh, on your own site, and and God knows where else. And of course, we've done some digging before we hopped on here. But I think the thing that really stood out to us the most uh, as we became kind of uh, more aware of, of you and what you're doing with your companies and your Limitless Society movement and all these different things is is really your association of people. I mean, obviously, you know, on social media, you get recommended to people that are like-minded and they see trends or whatever. And so that's kind of where I first became aware of the muscle and, yeah. um, man, obviously, you know, blown away by your lifestyle and, and what we see there on social media. But as we dug deeper, we started really kind of getting a grasp of, of who you are as a man. And, and one thing I'll just say on the front end, you know, we, we're never timid about reaching out to someone that we think might share thought process and values and principles and just saying, Hey, we'd love to have you on the show. You know, different people at different times, different stages and what they're doing. Those responses could come back from a robot or from assistant or whatever. And man, you've just been like real and responsive and just a normal dude from right out, right off the get. So uh, it says a lot about you, but uh, we'd, we'd love to hear like for those that may not know you, although you got, you know, a huge following, but for those that are, are less aware, like we were, tell us a little bit about your story, uh, your background, however deep you want to go. And then we'll get into some questions for these dudes. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to come on. I, uh, 
I love podcasts. I love meeting new people. And I always think it's really cool when you do something like this. And we didn't set up and have a ton of conversations before this. So I do appreciate it. But uh, you know what? Just a little bit about me. Uh, most of what you look up online is probably bullshit. But I, I let that be. I like to let people think what they want about me. Um, real quickly, from the time I was 21 years old until today, I'm 35 now. I, I've started over 28, 29 companies. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I never really could work for anybody. Um, I, I started to, to form this idea really young that we had the capability to do anything that we really wanted to do. And as I got older and realized I was just doing the stupidest shit in the world, I realized that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, and so I started companies from a really young age and my companies range all over the place. I've owned and started uh, a gym, a supplement company, a plastic surgery clinic, a marketing company, a dental office, a massage place, a race car company, a truck building company, an apparel company. It's been all over the board as for what I've actually owned and started um, and I found out really quickly that it didn't take a lot of capital to start companies. So I never really, I mean, even the big companies, I never really started anything with more than 7,500 bucks. Some of them I started for free. Um, and then obviously midway through that, I, I ended up on a TV show uh, called Diesel Brothers on the Discovery Channel. And that really helped to catapult me in front of people to for them to kind of see who I was. The problem was, and I didn't realize it then, is I didn't know that the Discovery Channel was going to dictate to the world who I was. I wasn't really ready for what they put together as a character, but you know what? I didn't care. Um, I had a, I had, I'm friends with Heavy D and Diesel Dave, and they actually came up with my name while we were real young. Um, and we started doing TV for a while. And then about, well, actually our last season ended last month. Um, we got to the point where we just kind of got tired of it um, and through it all. I, I ran my own companies. I did my own thing. I made my own money. And then I had a TV show. Um, and about six months ago, I, I kind of turned around and I realized I wanted to help people. And when I say help people, I mean on a much bigger level than anybody feels like, hey, I want to help some people. I made a decision six months ago. Uh, I got online just haphazardly. And I was like, you know what? I want to make 10 people a millionaire this year. I don't have a clue how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I don't set out goals that I don't achieve. So I was like, well, shit, I better start planning for this. <laughs> so I started a program of mentoring to help people make money, like real money, right? So I started Limitless Society. And dude, I had no idea, no idea that that many people in the world needed help and needed guidance. Um, and people just started flocking to it. People wanted to be a millionaire. People wanted to quit living paycheck to paycheck. People just wanted to start a company, whatever it was. And then really quickly, like within the first month, I realized that there are five common pieces that we need to be successful and only one of them have to do with money. And so I put together a list of what I thought people needed to start learning on a regular basis and progressing in. And it started with physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and then financial. And I knew that if I could start teaching people how to progress in all five of those areas, they would automatically become more successful financially, but they would genuinely find happiness in this life. So I started to create this idea of why don't I just start teaching people how to grow in every one of those areas? So we started Limitless Society. It launched and it took over every ounce of my time, realizing that people really are, are needing help. 
So we launched and it has been just absolute insanity. I did, I did fall short of my goal last year. Uh, I only made eight millionaires. I didn't make 10. So the, the, the first of this year, I said, you know what? I got to up it and I got to make 25. Um, Seems reasonable. And I have been going hard as shit <laughs> in the last, I would say 90 days to try to help people. And I'll tell you this, um, at least to end on like who I am and what I do. The reason I named it Limitless, the reason I accomplished what I accomplished from 21 till now is I have a very, very uh, tight core belief. I believe in a God. I believe that God's our father. And I believe that if he's our father and we're his heir, then we have the ability to do and be as he is. Mm -hmm. And if that's really true, then we really are limitless in mm -hmm. everything we want to do. At some point in our existence, we should be able to snap our fingers and create anything that we fathom. And in that belief, I created this whole entire structure of a program in Limitless Society. And dude, I got to tell you, teaching men and women to be able to understand that they truly have the capability to become limitless and then seeing that light start to flicker in them to see that they do have that capability and potential it's lit me on fucking fire dude on fire and so that's that's what i'm doing man i'm up at seven i finish phone calls at eight o'clock nine o'clock at night i do it day in and day out and dude at some point i'm gonna burn myself to the ground making so many people successful that i'll just feel at peace with what i did well i can pick up on the energy a bit yep um, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> catch that. I, I, didn't, I didn't catch it. Too. I love it, dude. I love it. And you know, the, the truth is anybody can get on here and throw a bunch of bullshit out and sound cool, but you can also tell when somebody really has it in them and it's a passion and it's a burn and it's something that you believe, like we believe, you know, that this is a mission that was given to you from your creator. Right. And I agree hundred percent. You know, if we are created in his image, which is what our belief is as, as what we say, we're a secular movement created by two men of faith. Um, I believe we're creating his image too. And that doesn't mean part of his image. That means all of it. So that is a great explanation of, of that whole limitless mindset. Um, we had a, a friend of ours on here uh, a while back, probably about a year ago. And he made a comment to me that really hit home. He said, we're just God playing man. And dude, that just gave me a whole different perspective on what I was capable of. Right. And, and what God really created me to be. Um, so I, I love that, man. I love that perspective absolutely so, dude. that's the biggest thing i think i think that i people i was a missionary uh for for the mormon faith um and you know we used to go and preach and teach and do all that stuff and we would often get the uh we would get the rhetoric from people well we don't like mormons because you guys believe you'll be god you'll be god one day right and dude i used to hate it because i was like ah, i don't like that feeling blah 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 blah. but you, the truth is man I have no shame in the fact that I believe he's the God of God and he's my father. And just like my earthly father, I'm going to have the opportunity to become like him. And in that, that's really the truth, dude. It's like you said, we are God's playing men right now. And, and if we could for a moment fathom that actual principle, like that's a, that's a, that's a real deep principle. Your weight, your what God, your father, and you're his heir. And you're heir to his throne and you're heir to do what he does. Dude, I'll tell you, like, there is nothing greater in this life than having somebody convince themselves or helping somebody convince themselves that that's who they are. And I don't know if there's a greater feeling. And that's why I'm so on fire about this. It's awesome, dude. 
you can tell that like there's a there's a transitional period in a lot of people's lives where they especially successful people that have been successful in business or, or whatever realm that you're in and in investments but when you start to give back to people and you start to see like you said you start to see that light kind of come back into their eyes and stuff and they see the possibilities that are there whenever you have a good mentor a good program in place that can expose things and enlighten things for you like when you start to see people go down that path, like that, that's something a business can never give you. Right. Like that is something that is, that is like, you know, the, the epitome of why you're here. Right. Absolutely. Dude. The thing is, I think if you, if you get into a place in your life where you actually find purpose, which I don't think a lot of people do. I think that's why mm -hmm. we're so lost in the world is most people right. don't know what their purpose is. Right. But if you can get into a place where you actually find your purpose, like you're talking about, and that purpose is always tied to helping those who are lost in some aspect, man, life really gets good. It just becomes so beautiful and wonderful. And there's just so many things and pieces that become something that you never thought in a million years you would have or feel or be grateful for. And dude, like you said, watching that spark begin in people, fuck, there ain't yeah. nothing better than that. <laughs> Dude, you've got, for anybody that's followed you or, or looked you up or whatever by this point, I mean, you've got an incredible lifestyle, right? I mean, from a materialistic standpoint, uh, a lot of people would would trade places with you. Now, they may not be willing to do what you did to get it, um, but I can, I can tell just by talking to you for a few minutes that, uh, you, you know, that passion, that fire, like, you know, a helicopter, a house, a, a, a diesel engine doesn't do that for you like it does probably your wife, your kids, and then all those people that you're able to pour into, because that's true purpose. That's true meaning, you know? Um, and like you said, and, and I think maybe this might've been prior to, to recording, you had mentioned something about why you believe it's so important to put, um, help people get into a position financially where they can really take their eyes off of their income and, and just pour into what their purpose is. Could you talk some more about that? Like, what's the, what's the thing about 25 millionaires? Like some people hear that be like, man, that sounds really freaking materialistic and blah, 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 some other nonsense. But like, yeah, I, yeah. It, it means more than that. So yeah. So um, there's this really crazy idea that most people won't ever be able to understand or get until they get there. And that's that when you can get yourself financially out of the rat race, you can begin to really focus on the purpose of life and the things that really matter the most. When I'm in the water and I'm swimming and I'm drowning, all I'm focusing on is drowning and staying afloat. And most people financially are doing that. They're just trying to stay afloat. I know millionaires who are just trying to stay afloat because they're living paycheck to paycheck as millionaires. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is this, is that when my mind and my level of thought actually became something tangibly real, was when I stopped worrying about bills and the small mundane shit to live, you know, day to day. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder often what this world would be if all we ever did was create that which we desired to create rather than worrying about that which we have to provide for our food, our, su our sustenance, our house, all of those things. Man, I'll tell you, it is a beautiful day to watch a man who is struggling to provide for himself and his family rise above that and get out of the rat race and stop worrying about day-to-day -day bills and begin to have his own thoughts and thoughts of creation, what he comes up with, right? There's so many wonderful, great ideas, but those wonderful, great ideas are bypassed by people who are simply drowning on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And I thought about this. I thought, how could I change the world? Because that's what I want to do. I can get more people who are drowning to get above the drowning and begin to float. And in floating, they can become something or someone with real ideas that change the world. See, when we're not thinking about the mundane, the minutia, the bullshit of every single day, and we rise above worrying about that shit, we can actually form our own wonderful, beautiful ideas. And how great is it that we ourselves are heirs of God? And if God is really that great and we're that great and we rise to that level, what can we create in this world? And how many people, if we could stop having them focus on the minutia and start focusing on something about changing this world, how great would this world become? And so it started with this idea, the more millionaires I can make, the more people I can pull out of the bullshit and make them think and feel and grow and change the world. I can't change the world with a bunch of broke motherfuckers. I can't <laughs> do it because they are too busy worrying about broke. Right. What I can do is I can take real people who can bless the lives of millions of people and get them to learn how to make money. And then when they make money, they can focus on the real stuff. And we all know what that real stuff is. The real stuff, the, the stuff that really matters is people and relationships and memories that's really what matters. Nothing else. There's nothing else to it. And the more I realized that if I would pull them from that sinking ship or from drowning, the more I could have people floating and together we could come up with real ideas that change the world, the more I'll be able to have a lasting effect. And that was the whole purpose of this. Dude. I don't know if anybody else is fired up, but I know I certainly am. And, and, and I love you're so right. And it's such a appropriate name, you know, limitless society, because all that other stuff does create limits. I mean, you are limited in your you know capacity for um, creative thought. You're limited in your capacity for physical activity, whatever it may be when you're, when you're tied down or restricted by a job or a business that is not paying the bills, barely paying the bills. And then it creates all these other burdens, you know, but it, the, opposite of that, what you're talking about just really allows you to go out there and unleash on the world as you were created to do. Um, so I, um, JP, you got anything you want to throw in there? I'm going to, I want to ask Keaton about, um, some of our ethos and his thought process on it. Yeah. I was just going to ask real quick though. So with, with the, the clients that you're coaching and the men that you're working with, um, you know, cause obviously some of them do stand up and say, Hey, this is, this is what, this is what I want to do. I want to get out of the rat race and stuff. And I love the analogy that you use about like uh, drowning, right. And they're just, they're just treading water, trying to, trying to survive when, you know, all it takes is for somebody to walk over there and go, Hey, listen, dude, it's only three foot deep stand up. Like yeah. you don't have to sit there and tread water. What do you think? What do you think holds a lot of men back from, from doing that, from standing up and going, okay, there's something different. Um, you know what? I think it's kind of simple. I think that, uh, I don't think that any of us really understand our true capabilities. And I think that as we start out in this world, we do, and, and we know everything. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why Christ taught that we should be as children, because I mm -hmm. think children start out in, in a beautiful way. They believe everything. They know everything. They have everything. They're grateful for everything. And then through the bullshit of life, they, they somehow forget their own capabilities and their own importance and their own potential. And they, they, uh, they hear doubt and they hear no and they hear they can't and they hear they won't and they get beat up. And then at some point, they just kind of settle into this mediocre person, this mediocre man or woman. 
And I think that the only difference is, is I can help people open up their eyes and see themselves as God sees them and see themselves as other people see them, which is a, a creature or a being that has potential to do and be anything that they long to be. But the reason why so many people live in mediocrity is because through life, they were beat down and they didn't realize that what they were being programmed to learn was just teaching them how to just barely make it. And so in that, I realized it's only just a little bit of a mind shift, just a tiny mind shift. And that mind shift is what if, what if I'm capable of everything that I ever was told I can't do? What if I have the ability to be and do anything that I want? I give this analogy all the time. Somebody in the 1800s looked in the birds and said, I want to fly with birds. And every motherfucker in that room said, you're stupid. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. And today, millions of people fly in the air like birds. So it wasn't really that we couldn't do it. It was that somebody had to believe it. Somebody had to open up to it. And then somebody had to achieve it. And in the interim of all of those things, the truth about it is, is I don't believe that there's anything impossible. I believe there's a timeline for things, but I don't think there's anything impossible. And if I can teach that to people, let go of this fact that they've been beat down and whatever they've been told is complete bullshit. They can achieve whatever they want in a timeline. That's when people start to change. And, and I'll tell you, it's always a common denominator for everybody who's mediocre. I've been told my whole life I was garbage, and I just kind of settled into the fact that I'm garbage. That's what I am. Yeah. That's a good, uh, that's a good transition for something I want to ask. Because obviously, you know, our program is, uh, you don't probably know much about our story. We started this podcast to, to, to talk about how to get men right, whatever, you know, however you want to say that. But basically the importance that men play, what we were created to do, we were created to lead, whether it be just in our household or in our businesses, our communities, our movements, whatever it is, we are created to lead and the masculine presence is incredibly necessary and it's been watered down. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue that point, right? So based on like what you're just saying there, how important is it for a man specifically? I know you coach everybody and you work with everybody and that's awesome, but just for our purposes here, a man specifically for his role, his incredibly important role to, to put himself in this mental position that you're talking about, this financial position, physical position that you're talking about in order to, to be the best version of himself to lead in those different capacities and in those different areas of life? That's a really good question. Um, man, I, I, I feel the weight of that question a lot, actually. Um, the the spartans were great warriors um and if anybody knows the story of the spartans what they did with their young men is they pulled their young men from their mothers in the beginning and the reason they pulled them from their mothers is because women taught them very crucial pieces to being in a healthy type uh relationship but it was detrimental to them as warriors um, and so they pulled them from their mothers and they trained them for years without having contact with their mothers. And then when they became the warrior that they had essentially set them out to be, they could come back and, and obviously be around their, their mothers. And the reason I share that is because there's two roles in the world. There is women uh, who have compassion and love and care and empathy and all of the wonderful things that this world needs. 
But on the opposite end of that, there is also a, a part that we are missing, a huge part that we are missing, and that is men teaching men how to be men um, and that we are not the same and that there is a very, very big difference. And the Spartans all the way back knew that there was a big difference. And they knew that if they were going to teach a man to become a leader and an alpha and, an, and a warrior, they had to surround them with men and, and essentially indoctrinate them with just men because what they were teaching was that crucial to their purpose. Now, our purpose is not to be warriors anymore. So I get it. Some people will say that doesn't make any sense and I'm okay with it. But in their situation, it was, it was to become warriors. Now for us, we're not creating warriors, but what we are creating is kings and queens. And a king cannot be created if he is not in the, the right presence of a king himself to teach him. So we look at all the issues in the world today and we look at what's going on. And I can tell you the common denominator is that we no longer have enough men who are willing to stand up and be the leader and the alpha and the warrior and teach the things that need to be taught that are not the greatest things for the, for the, the culture to talk about. I know you don't want to talk about what it means to be tough as shit. I understand you want to talk about why you're offended, but that doesn't matter. I understand you don't like to hear that I'm learning how to be brutal and kill when it comes to the protection of my family. I understand that's not something that's easy to talk about, but it sure as shit is important. The most important piece for a man is to be a warrior in a garden and understand that if he wants to actually be beneficial in this world, he should be dangerous as fuck. And then he should learn how to take that to the next level and not be dangerous and be caring and be loving and all of those other things that you talk about in a good leader. But the problem is, is that this world, and I'll say it, even though I don't think it's a word, the pussification of people is we're so focused on being soft as shit and loving and caring and accepting that we have bypassed the most important piece for a civilization to move forward. And that is very simple. We need harder better, stronger, more dangerous men who are prepared to push and teach this civilization into the next. You hear that saying all the time that hard men create good times and good times create soft men and soft men create hard times, right? Mm -hmm. We hear that all the time. And we're literally watching that right now. In mm -hmm. the 50s, 60s, 70s, we had hard motherfuckers and they created the 90s, the 2000s, and today that is easy. Our life is easy as shit. In all of history, in the millions of years, it has never been easier to be a human being than today. And because of it being so soft, we have created soft men and women. And the problem is, is now we're going to be looking at hard times because a lot of soft motherfuckers created that. So you ask the question why it's so important for men to be men and why it's so important for real men to step up to the call of what we're talking about. You will be the deciding factor between this world becoming hard again or it remaining where it is, which I would prefer for my children that it remains this easy soft that we have created. I don't want war, but I am ready for it. I don't want to fight. 
but I am ready for it. I don't want a hard world, but I am ready for it. And I prefer to keep it that way. And the only way to keep it that way is by men specifically stepping up to the calling and being that dangerous type being that is willing to step up, protect, and be a warrior in a garden. Dude, I just got to tell you, all of that was solid gold. But one of the things I appreciate the most is when we started this movement, um, we all kind of, you know, this this was created out of, out of our heart, but we kind of, you know, jump out of the airplane and build a parachute on the way down is the way we typically approach things. And uh, everybody had these really cool taglines and, and stuff that they were saying, kind of saying goodbye. And, and I'm from Mississippi originally, from a really small town in Mississippi. And I'm probably the most simple-minded guy that was a part of this as we were launching it. So all I could think of is don't be a pussy. That's the whole, that, that encompassed the whole thing of what we were doing. So when you say, you know, the pussification of America, man, it's something we talk about all the time, whether it's a word or not, it's damn sure accurate. And, and it's scary. Um, but it is, it is fixable, uh, but it's only fixable because of all the stuff you were just saying, men stepping up and being men. Right. Um, so we agree a hundred percent on that. So you, you mentioned, you, you kind of hit on a lot of these things as you were talking there, but our, our, uh, coaching program men reforged we we kind of built out a necessity uh from people tying into the podcast saying they wanted to kind of go deeper with the, the thought process we were talking about the principles and values we were talking about and so we put a lot of time and effort into you know what we felt like god was really putting on our heart to to teach and to build a framework around and we essentially established the six ethos which ended up a year later we again maybe this is me simple-minded mississippi guy a year later, we realized if we rearrange the the order of them, they actually spelled out active. And we had been talking about killing off the passive male for 12 months, and we didn't realize we had active an active ethos right there. So we teach about association, confidence, tenacity, integrity, vision, and etiquette. That's our six ethos that we believe builds an influential man. From your perspective, we'll just start with association. You kind of already answered this a little bit, but like, how important do you believe that is? And maybe just some, some, some pointers for some people that are learning how to, and when we talk about association, it's not just the people we're hanging out with, but also like content association, the things that you're putting in your sense gates. Could you give us something on that? Um, let me ask you this. Cause I, I, I want to be a little bit more specific in this question. Mm -hmm. Ask me a more specific question to those ethos. So um, as far as in your growth from being, you know, I think you said 21 year old young man stepping out into, I don't want to be burdened by, you know, a job or whatever. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go out and be successful. I want to create this limitless lifestyle and mindset. How important is the piece of association as far as who you're spending your investing your time with? I don't like the word spending, but investing your time with and, and what you're, what you're allowing to come into your sit gates and what you're intentionally bringing in. How important is that from your perspective? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, so there's two pieces to this answer. Um, when you're in training, <clears throat> it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial to spend time with those who are better than you. I mean, that's kind of a simple thing. You want to be a millionaire, you should spend time with five millionaires. You want to be a dipshit, spend time with five dipshits. In your quote unquote training to become something great, you should circle yourself around nothing 
but the best or better than you always. You should be the dumbest in the room. You should be the poorest in the room. You should be the loudest in the room because most likely those who are quiet know more than you. You should send everything you have into this idea that the more you spend time with those who are better, that it will allow you to become better. Association is everything. And you should do everything you can to offer to those men and women that you have something to give them so you can be in those circles. So that's the first advice I would give you. Then when you're done in your training, and I don't know when that is for some people, some people need to train for years to get into the level that they need to be at. But when you're done, association means nothing. I don't give a fuck who you are or who I spend time with. They have very little influence on what I do because what I do is nailed into my core. It's all the way to the, the bottom of me. And if I'm going to change the world, then I sure as shit am going to have to spend time with those people who otherwise I wouldn't have spent time with when I was trying to grow. And my intention and my purpose is now different. I'm not trying to become the greatest. I am the greatest. And I will be the person that will help those whose hands hang down and hang low. And I can no longer become something greater without lifting those up around me. And that's part of the whole purpose of mm. Limitless Society. Listen, if I wanted to create a Limitless Society of just people who were all limitless, I would have 10 friends that I would never talk to ever again. But when you become something great and only those who do it know what it is, you can hang time and, and spend time and invest time in whoever you want because it doesn't affect anything that you do. I'm a huge proponent for cutting people out of your life. I am. But now I'm at a place in my life where I understand I don't really care that much. If I can give you a better influence and a better example, then I'll spend some time with you because nothing you say or do in the negative, in the toxic, in the bullshit is ever going to affect me, me and mine. Because I am at a place where I am solidified. I'm at a place where I'm a warrior with everything on that I need to have on that will allow me to walk into a burning flame and not get burned. So in that, I think that there's two pieces. There's the growth phase, and then there's the phase that you become the captain and the chief and the king and whatever you want to call it. And that person spends time with whoever, and his purpose is then to influence those around him. So I think it's really crucial to give two parts because listen, dude, I don't want to see people grow and grow and grow. And then there's just these big clicks all over the world of just growth and then garbage and growth and garbage. We need those who are on top to spend time with those who are at bottom so that they can get those who are willing to get up to come up. Hmm. And so I think, like I said, there's, there's gotta be a sense in you that says, I understand to become better. I got to spend time with those that are better. But when I get there, I will turn around and I'm going to spend time lifting people up that are probably not where they should be. Well, and it's a responsibility at that point. I mean, that's, that's fantastic perspective on that. Absolutely. JP, you want to hit on confidence? <clears throat> You're still taking yes. notes. <laughs> yeah, I was taking notes. Over here. No, that's, that's gold. That's great. I, I love the perspective on that because I, I totally agree there. And that's, that's something that's, um, that's that's big time for me association with with 
content and and people around me. Um, so from a confidence perspective, you know, one of the things that we noticed with the guys that were around is it kind of like you talked about being being beat down and battered and stuff like that. What where does where does confidence come from in your opinion? How do you how do you develop an unshakable confidence, especially when you're talking about somebody that may not have had the best past in the world? Like how critical is confidence and, and how do you develop it in, in your opinion? So I got, I'll show you. you guys probably can't see this. I had one of my uh, one of my clients sent me this because I say this all the time. Can you guys read that? Stupid confidence. Stupid confidence. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I I say that all the time. Um, it's just a phrase that I use. Um, I'm good friends with a lot of really successful people. Uh, I'm I'm friends with Jake Paul. Uh, you guys probably know him. He's getting ready for his fight. Um, I don't think that guy has any talent other than he has stupid confidence. Um, I think that the common denominator between those who bring themselves from the bottom all the way to the top is only one thing. I think it's stupid confidence. I think confidence is literally the piece between those who are successful and those who are not. Um, I think a lot of us hear that, that confidence is something that you have and that once you have it, you don't need it anymore. Um, but the truth is, is confidence is something that's earned. And then it's something that's practiced often. Nobody is stepping on stage without feeling nervous or stressed or scared. Nobody. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. The confidence to press through is obviously what it takes to do that. But the difference is, is that we in our, our you know, not being confident, we think, well, I'm not confident, so I'm not going to do it and I'll never get there. And really, we're just creating the cycle of the opposite where what we should understand is it's going to take me exercising confidence to gain more confidence. And then as I gain more, I'm going to have to exercise more and then I'll gain more. And it's a circle of going up rather than down because there's no buoyancy when it comes to confidence or being shy or the opposite of confidence. But the reality is, dude, I'll tell you, I think that the one thing that has made me successful, the one, if there is one common denominator for me and everybody else, it all goes back to confidence. And it wasn't something I was born with. I was ridiculously not confident when I was younger. I wasn't. But over time and exercising it, I became more and more and more. And it was always tied to one thing. And it, it's always going to be tied to one thing. Stop giving a shit about what other people think. That's really what the truth is. That's what confidence is. I don't give a shit about what people think. And the more that I get into that mentality, the more confidence I seem to have. And the more confidence I have, the more success I see. And so I, you know, you kind of state that simply, but dude, confidence is absolutely everything. And I'll tell you this, and this is why I do the coaching. It's so easy to like say, oh man, I wish I was rich. I wish I was successful. It's really hard to look at yourself and say, yeah, but I have so many things that keep me from that. And one of those is confidence. So how do I grow? Oh, well, I work on personal growth pertaining to confidence i would dare bet that if we took every single soul on this earth and we smashed into them the most confidence they could possibly have this world would flip and every single person would be unbelievably successful because of stupid confidence I, like i don't know if there's anything else i watch some of these people with zero skills zero traits zero talents doing amazing things just because they think they can do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's why I think, dude, I think confidence is is really just a common denominator for everybody who wants to truly be successful or who is. 
Yeah, I love I love what you said about that because we talk about all the time about praying, right? Like praying for you know certain certain characteristics about you, like confidence and stuff. And, and, and be careful what you pray for because God's not going to go, oh, you have confidence now. Exactly. God's going to put you in situations where you have to exercise your confidence. He's not just going to give it to you; you earn it. But He's going to put you in those situations where you have opportunities to earn it. Absolutely, and that's the problem, dude. Is most of us, especially who are fear who are God fearing men. And women is we think, well, if we just pray for it, it'll just be smacked in my brainstem and then I'm good to go. That's not how it works, man. You ask for confidence and he's going to put you in a place where you're going to have to gather confidence to get through it. And the more you gather confidence, the more you get. And that's plain and simple. The rule of life. You want to get it. You got to practice and practice and practice and put yourself in the position to do it often. And the more you do, the more successful you are. I've been praying for biceps for years and the messaging I keep getting is go to the gym, go to the gym. Go to the gym. <laughs> got it. I got yeah. it. And, and use one mission nutrition apparently. Yes. Um, yes, do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, that's, that's such a natural, like everybody understands that like you want muscles, you got to work out. If you want to, you know, lose weight, you got to discipline the way you eat. But like, if, if you want confidence, like, you either have it or you don't know why, why is that one thing, you know, or, or other, you know, humility, same kind of thing, you know, yeah. uh, it, they're, they're all things that you have to practice and train. And I love how much you use the, the verbiage of training because, uh, it's accurate, quite frankly. Um, so, so tenacity, I mean, you've, you said 22 companies, I think at this point you've, uh, I think 28, to be honest with you, I've lost track. A lot I'm of companies. Just numbers at this point. <laughs> nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to look it up and, and fact check. No, you. I mean, dude, uh, I, I started two companies this month, so nice. I don't know. Nice. It's a lot. Know. <laughs> so, and, and they've all been successful, um, because you're confident and that's how it works. But from a, from a tenacity standpoint, um, what would you, again, this is something that we believe is a, an important framework for building influential men and, and something that we have observed, as I'm sure you have, uh, that we're lacking in society where there's this just easy mentality of like, if it's too hard, I'm going to quit. You know, if it's yeah. too tough, you know, if it hurts my feelings, I'm going to walk away, you know, whatever. Um, where do you believe that falls, I, obviously, I, I get what you're saying about confidence, but I believe right alongside that, maybe they even overlap a little bit and you can give your input on that. As far as, you know, like I always picture a bulldog hanging on to a knot on a rope. They're just not going to fucking let go. Like there's nothing that you can do to make them let go. And whatever the goal is, that bulldog is going to accomplish it. There's got to be some type of mentality that we get back to as men to where when the shit's hitting the fan, it just doesn't matter. Like circumstances don't matter. What your wife tells you doesn't matter. What your, you know, society tells you doesn't matter. The fact is you've got to hang on to the end of the rope and accomplish whatever you were put here to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I actually teach the, um, and you can call it tenacity. I mean, you could, there's a lot of names for it. Um, I always go back to figuring out what your why is. Um, because what your why is, is what actually holds that bulldog onto that fucking ball. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when life kicks you down and kicks your dick in the dirt, uh, your why is the only reason that you keep going. And if your why really doesn't have a lot of purpose to it and isn't a very strong why, most likely you'll give up. Everybody gets opportunities. Um, and everybody, or I should say most, not everybody, most people give up their opportunities because they just don't have a good enough why to stick it out. 
Um, everybody wants to be in shape, but nobody wants to go to the gym long enough to get in shape or do what it takes to get in shape. But the, the reality is, is those who become successful have a why that's above any other excuse. You know, you talk about the bulldog on the rope. Their why is, is they just know they're holding on to that motherfucker and they're not letting go. You're going to rip their teeth out before they let go of that. And there's a why to that. And that why is more important than their teeth getting ripped out. I think for human beings, if we could cultivate in ourselves the ability to have a strong, resilient why, then when times come that kick us into the dirt over and over and over, we just kind of get up with a smile because our why is the reason and there is no failure that we plan on allowing to get in our way or excuse our way out of our why. Um, I tell people this story often. I get into a place where I get into a place where I essentially <laughs> often I'm running on the treadmill and I fucking hate running. I hate it. But the reason I run is because I want to lose weight. Right. And the reason that I want to lose weight is because I would like to be healthy for my children so that when my children decide they want to get married, I'll be there. And when they want to have kids, I'll be there and so on and so forth. So if you come to the gym, you probably see me in tears crying as I run on that fucking treadmill every day. <laughs> And the reason is, is because I fucking hate the treadmill, but my why is much stronger than anything that that treadmill is going to throw at me that day. My legs hurt, my knees hurt, my back hurt, my lungs are filled. I don't want to do that shit, but the why is there and constantly reminding me that there is no excuse that is greater than the why itself. And at the end of the day, if I could teach any person to find their why and figure out how to build it, to be resilient against any excuse, because really the difference between success and not excuse is just, or not is not success, is excuses. If mm -hmm. I could teach them to get that why where it needs to be, no excuse is gonna come and they're gonna be successful. I love that. The difference between success and not success is excuses. Yep. <clears throat> That's that's the damn truth there. Uh, so jumping into one that we we talked about kind of earlier uh, when we first started here is is being being a man of integrity, right? So strong morals and principles, um, and really like one of the things that I, I don't know. I guess I feel like a little bit different in today's society with the advancement of technology and the 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 the, the keyboard warriors and everything. Um, you know the the moral the the morals and, and principles are not necessarily as as um, celebrated as much as what they used to be right like let's let's get it let's get a quick hit over here even if it means that it's going to affect these people um you yeah. know let's we we talked we had a we, we had a podcast uh that we we put out about putting up your shopping cart and what that tells about you as a man i don't care how much money you have i don't care how much influence you have i don't care about your status i don't care where you're at from an integrity standpoint like do you put the shopping cart up like are you a man of principle and morals that when it comes down to doing the right thing you do the right fucking thing when you're supposed yeah. to do it You've owned a lot of business. You've been very successful. What does what does the I mean, obviously, the state of integrity with your family and stuff like that, your family can trust you, your family, you know, builds that trust within you if you have a strong, you know, moral integrity. But how does that work in, in business? Like, how have you seen that be beneficial? I think um, and that's kind of a loaded question because there's a lot of answers to that. But I, I think um, I think integrity in business and in yourself is the difference between everything in longevity. Um, I think anybody can make some money. Anybody can be successful fairly quickly and do an overnight sensation. 
those who actually set out to be good men and actually set out to live by principles and standards and ethos, if you will, those are the ones who stand that that test of time. Um, and and I think every person who has been successful for years and years and years had to have at some point reconciled in themselves that their core value of integrity meant more than the dollar that they were making. And I think if you you do that in your family and you do that in your business and you do that in every aspect of your life, that's truthfully how you become in longevity successful. And the reality is, is that more people come into that than anyone else. And, and I say that almost in a marketing aspect, like I know personally that there's only a handful of people I'll do business with because I don't think that other people have integrity. And in my business, my business grows because people know, hey, that person has integrity and I would like to do business with him. And the cool part about that, or I shouldn't say the cool part, it's actually a shitty part, but there's not a lot of people who have integrity. So when you find the motherfuckers that do, you want to cling to them. You want to do business with them. You want to do everything around them, right? And at the end of the day, dude, if we don't have integrity, what do we have? And so you talk about this almost in the light, like, how does that affect your business? Man, I think it affects not just your business, but your family and yourself. I don't know what it's like to lay on a deathbed and have regret, but I can imagine that no matter how rich a motherfucker is, if he didn't live his life in accordance with integrity, he will not be fulfilled no matter how much he accomplished. And to me, that deathbed is much, much more important than anything else that I'm doing in any way to become successful. So I think, dude, integrity is a big, big thing. I, uh, I'll share just a quick story with you. I, uh, I started in one of my businesses. I, I started with a marketing company last month and I told he, they wanted 10 grand or something for, for startup. And I'm just like, dude, I'm so tired of hearing marketing companies. They're all full of shit. So I said, you put your money where your mouth is and you show me you can market and you make me a hundred grand this month and I'll give you any money you want. I just said that haphazardly, right? So this last month, this marketing company sells $900,000 worth of stuff for me. They come back to me three days ago and he goes, hey, bro, you, you owe us. Uh, I think I, we owe him like 240 grand in commissions. And he goes, oh, by the way, you told me that you were going to pay me $20,000 if we did what you asked us to do. And of course, I do so much shit. I don't remember that. So I said to him, I was like, hey, man. Just show me where I said that. And I'm, I'm totally in, you know? And he's like, well, it wasn't on paper. It was, it was our phone call, our first phone call. So I'm like, oh shit. So you can't even prove it. And he goes, no, I can prove it. He recorded the call. So he sends me the clip and in the clip, I literally said it. And I, and he goes, I, I get that there was no contract. So don't worry about it. And I said, no, no, I said what I said. I'm going to give you $20,000. So I wrote him a check for $20,000 extra this month, because I said that yeah. even if it was haphazard, I still said it. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point. Guess what, dude, that dude will work harder for me. He'll do more for me. He'll tell the world about that. And then more people will do stuff with me because of the integrity. And I made it, I made it clear to him. I said, listen, bro, there's no contract that says I got to write this out. This is on me. This is my own personal integrity. And you're damn right. I'm not going to question it. And I didn't, I wrote the check. Because I think that integrity in a business is the most crucial thing that a man can have in his business, in his family, with God, with everything. And the problem is, is most people don't have that. And I will tell you this, 
if you have integrity, you most likely are going to get burned a lot, but you really shouldn't be in a place where that affects your own personal integrity. Yeah. I love it. Love it, man. It's the whole, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, you know, exactly. and and that's such a great uh, example of that on such a, a scale that a lot of people would be like, holy shit, man. But the fact is, if you question whether you should have integrity in that type of environment, when it costs you 20 grand, then you don't have integrity. Like the Absolutely. fact that like if you're even questioning it at all, should I or should I not do what's right? You, we got some work to do. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm I'm human. You know, I have these times where it's like it'd be a lot easier to do this or it'd be it, it'd sting a lot less if I did this. But the fact is, I agree with you 100 percent. Every time I go back to and this stuff will get me messed like this. One thing that get me emotional is my kids. And, and I go back to what whatever story my kids know about me. If nothing else, I want it to be about like my dad was honest. He had ethics. He did everything. He did what was right, no matter what it cost him, no matter how hard it was. Like, that's all I, I care about. I don't care if yeah. they think my dad had a lot of money. My dad, you know, had the biggest muscles. All that stuff's awesome. And it's important. And I think it's great. And we should do it. But ultimately, I want my kids to never doubt my integrity, ever, ever, ever doubt that I just did what was right because because it was right. That's the only reason. That's the only reason there needs to be. Absolutely. So oh, I love it. I get fired up about that. So you talked about vision um, of, of uh, why is what you mentioned when we were talking about tenacity. Um, so I guess as we're in this vision ethos, how do you help? Because I was thinking this question while you were explaining how important that is to, to have a why um, in order to have tenacity. How do you help people develop that? Do, do you, number one, in your coaching and people that you're working with, people you, maybe you've mentored over the years, like somebody that's never because we've all met those folks, we've all been there maybe ourselves at some point where it's like, I don't even know how to create a vision for my future or for what I want to accomplish in these areas of my life, whether it be physical or relational or, or spiritual or financial, whatever. So what are your recommendations or how do you help somebody start getting into that realm where they can actually have a vision for what they want to accomplish? So I, I firmly believe that the greatest teacher on this earth is death. I think that death, death teaches us more than anything. And, uh, you know, the saddest part is, is that our own death is the greatest teacher and it's right before we're done taking the test. Mm. And the reason I say that is because I like to make people reflect on their own death often. Um, uh, I, I, I share this a lot with people and I tell them, you know, what your problem is, is you think everybody else is going to die hmm. and you don't realize that you're the one that's going to die. I tell people often that if you could for a moment, picture an hourglass on your shoulder of sand running out of your life, you may take your life a little bit more serious. But if you could for a moment fathom that you're going to die, like actually think about it because you're going to, everybody's going to, and you could picture yourself in that moment and think about it. And, and listen, I'm not, this isn't grim. I'm not asking people to think about their worst day because for me, when I die, it'll be fucking great. But when you think about life as, or in an aspect that it's, it's going to run out, you begin to make better decisions on a daily basis. And I tell people often, I don't know if you know what your purpose is or you don't know what your why is or you don't know what the fuck you're doing, but I can guarantee you when you lay on your deathbed, you will be very clear what you fucked up and missed out on. And the regrets will be very, very hard. And then I talk to them about this principle. Now, 
I am a religious person and I do believe in a heaven and a hell, but I think it's probably a little bit different than we believe. I think that when we die, we most likely will stand before our greatest self, our greatest version of ourself. And we will, one, tell that person in all of our excuses why we never became that person, or we will look them eye to eye with a smile and tell them that we are glad we became that person. And the heaven will be when we see that person eye to eye and we became that person. And the hell will be the eternity that we have to deal with the fact that we did not become that person, that we wasted our lives here on earth. And we did it because we didn't have a why, we didn't have a reason, and we filled this life full of bullshit. And if you can fathom for a minute that you're going to die and you're going to meet that person, then you could probably think about what that person's going to be. And if you can think about what that person is wearing and how they talk and how they dress and who they are, then most likely you can fathom how you become that person. See, we do an exercise where I tell people to close their eyes and think about on the right of them what it would be if their highest version of them was sitting there. What would they be wearing? How would they speak? What would they be talking about? What would they have accomplished? What would their bank account look like? And then I tell people, it's time for you to step into that person. And if you can do that, then you can figure out all the rest of the shit because you know that that person is a much higher being than what you're currently living. So in teaching this and bringing this to their the forefront of their mind, you got to teach people, listen, man, you know what your fucking problem is? You think you're never going to die, and it's probably much closer than you realize. And I don't know if it's next week, next year, or in 10 years, but that shit's coming. And when you lay there on your deathbed, you will be filled with one of two feelings, regret and remorse that you didn't do what you should have done, or in happiness, ready to go to the next level because you kicked the shit out of everything here. And that's essentially how I start with people by helping them in that perspective, come to realize they're going to either be filled with one or two fillings and it's their choice. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's I don't even awesome. Know. That, that's, you got me. We do. That's for sure. We, we do, we do something, we do something similar to that in an exercise that we do. Um, it's one of our high carbon experience events because we, we call it an experience because it's not an event. We, we do things like that to have, you know, some tear jerkers. I've never seen so many men cry in my entire life because they actually, you know, have to, to think about it and write it out. And what are people going to say, you know, at your funeral, what are they going to say while well, they're sitting there, your wife and your kids that come up there and talk. What do you want to hear them say? Now, are you living a life that the end result is, is what they're saying in, in your imagination there, right? Like when you, when you're starting to think this stuff through, and I think the next best thing that you can do in that situation, my mom worked in a, a retirement home. Um, and, and sometimes it's not always easy, but I think spending some time with older people that are towards the end of their life that are starting to come to that realization you can sit down and hear some of the stuff that they say and some of the regrets and, and, and different things that they, the, the wisdom that they have that they can pour into you. And you can start to see how many people really unfortunately die with a lot of stuff still left on the table, right? That they never, Absolutely. they never reached I mean, out. It's, it's most people. Yeah. Most people do that. Yeah. And that's a fucking sad story, man. That's why it I is. tell you death is a, death is the best teacher. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. So, 
before we wrap up here, man, this has been, this has been awesome. This is one I'm going to save and be um, digesting quite a bit. Uh, the last piece of our ethos is a little simpler, but we believe it is, it, it is important or we wouldn't have put it there, but just etiquette. Now that can be uh, the way you carry yourself. It could be your body language. It could be your manners. It could be, you know, the way you're taking, and we say the way you dress, not necessarily like you don't have to be dressed to the nines all the time, but are you dressed appropriately for the environment that you're in? Just give us your thought process and and maybe how much you may think like, I don't really give a shit about that. That's fine. Give us your honest feedback on just how important it is for a dude to show up the right way. And then, you know, obviously uh, take care of those around him the right way, as far as just simple manners. And again, a lot of the stuff we developed because we were seeing what was lacking in the world, you know, like hold a fucking door open, man. Yeah. Um, so I'll answer it with this. I, I love the idea of that being part of the ethos, that the etiquette piece. Listen, I'm not much one for fancy dress. I wear a Levi's and a shirt pretty much everywhere, except for the church. Hoodies. <laughs> but but I think etiquette is very important. Um, and this is why I think that the greatest leaders in the world are the ones who serve the most. I think you talk about Christ and Christ taught us that essentially as the greatest of all everything, I will go below. He, he washed the feet of the apostles. He was all about service. I think etiquette itself is about service of others, right? And I think if you want to be a true leader, you can call it etiquette, you can call it whatever you want, you really need to be the best in service. And then and, and that's as simple as how you eat at the dinner table, how you treat women and children, how you open the door, how you, I mean, all of those pieces are based around this idea of service. And I will tell you this, there is a huge difference between a real alpha leader who is in the service of those who he protects. And there is a real dick bag of a leader hmm. who will never be in etiquette or in service of other people. And I think, you know, once again, you can call it whatever you want, but at the end of the day, as a leader myself, it is my job, my responsibility to serve and be in service of those who are not as powerful as I am. And in that, obviously, it's, it goes back to what we talked about, and that is you need to be a very dangerous man who will protect dangerously, but you are a warrior in a garden. And that's where that etiquette comes down. I will tell you the most dangerous men I've ever met in my life were also the most respectful with etiquette that I've ever met in my life. Exactly. And I think that that has to do with, again, that leadership piece. I never met a motherfucker that could kick the shit out of me that was talking shit to me. Not mm. once. <laughs> it was always the most etiquette, the most responsible, the quietest in the room that could most likely be the most dangerous. And so I think that that's, that ties into exactly what you were saying. And for me, as a leader in my family, it's most important that I serve the most. And in that, there's, there's that etiquette that you're talking about. Love that perspective. Yep. I've, yep. I've, I've never better. never really tied etiquette to service, but it does make absolute sense uh, with what you're saying there. Because everything that you do from a gentleman's code is the ability to serve, you know, and, and that's what I think of when I think of etiquette is the gentleman's code, you know, kind of things. But that's 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 brilliant. I like I like that perspective for sure. Absolutely. Brother, this has been powerful to say the least. Um, and I don't care if anybody else listens to it. It's been good for me and JP. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna listen to it. <laughs> we gonna listen to it a lot. You know, we got it recorded now. So 
Um, JP, you got anything before I wrap no, up here? No, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I, I appreciate your time, Keaton. I know that your time is valuable. Um, and, and I certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Fellas. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, and just as we do wrap up and out of respect for your time, just tell us like anybody that'd be interested in limitless society or other things that you have going on, what's the best way for them to uh, get some information about that? Uh, the best way is, is probably my Instagram. The Instagram's just the, the muscle or the period muscle. All of my information that you would want to get is there. Um, and, and, you know, to be very clear about limitless society, I'm not necessarily looking for people to join the group. I'm looking for motherfuckers who want to change. And, and there are those, and there are those who are not, and I'm pretty quick to sift them. I don't let everybody join the group because I don't have a desire to drag people around to become successful. I, I really, I have a short amount of time to make 25 millionaires. I have a short amount of time to make a hundred, you know, hundred K people. I have a short amount of time to start businesses and do all the things that I want to do. And I can't do it when I'm just pushed down by everybody wanting to come in. So if it is something that that you hear from me, the rhetoric you hear from me rings with you, well, I would love to have you join, but you can get all that information from my Instagram and it's the dot muscle. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, man, I know we've said it a bunch, but we appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being real and no filter um, and just and letting it rip and uh, all the respect in the world for what you're doing, not just because you made a bunch of money, but because of who you are, how you're carrying yourself and what you're doing to impact the the next men that are coming on behind you and women um, uh, for that matter. So uh, again, appreciate you big time. For those of you that are listen, listening, make sure you go back to this, take a bunch of notes, listen to it a number of times. You've been a part of the movement.